This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. We had some tech issues, so hopefully they're fixed now. We will see. I might stay on screen, so you will see even more of me, whether you want it or not, than in the past. We don't have to over-engineer it. Before we get started, though, a friendly reminder, we are on Amazon here. Everything you see around me, even my drinks, you can order directly in the carousel down down below. I almost said I got the popcorn ready, happy to learn about how to stick to your story. So this is a very interesting book. Donna Griffith is joining me today. And what's interesting, what really stuck out to me in the book is that it's not just about telling anecdotes. Stop it. Anybody can talk. My eight-year-old can just talk. And sometimes the stories just go on and on and on and on and on. And you listen. But that is not what business storytelling is about. And especially for startups, you got to kind of zoom in and figure out how to do that. So let's get Donna on the show here and talk about how do we actually tell better stories as a startup? How do we share what matters and how do we stay in front of people? Donna, nice to see you. Hi there. Um, I've got that too. Cheers. <laughs> we can book bump. I know you like to fist bump. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to tell you about that, which is why we didn't do it. So here you go. Always appreciate when guests know what's going on, even when I don't. So um, tell me about the book. What is going on? Why is storytelling so important, especially for startups? And and what does that even mean? Well, um, (laughs) I probably would have answered this question differently even a week ago. Um, But last week, I was at an event with the chief scientist of uh, OpenAI talking about how we can expect our world to change through AI and, you know, what professions would be made redundant, et cetera, et cetera. And I have to say that for a storyteller like myself, and I'm sure you and many of our listeners out there are thinking, oh my gosh, is AI on the way to replace us? So I think that storytelling is probably the most human aspect that we have that I think is going to be even more important in the era of AI, being able to give messages, being able to write, you know, copy. I even co-wrote my final chapter of my book with ChatGPT. It had just been released. I rewrote my last chapter um, with it. And in last November, I'd already handed in the first draft. But I think that storytelling is truly what makes us humans. Yuval Noah Harari in Sapiens said that it's the reason we outlasted the Neanderthals. And if we can keep that sense of humanity, of empathy, of engaging people, that will be the way we still are, you know, superior to our AI friends that are popping up to make our lives better. You know, what's interesting about, uh, I didn't expect us to talk about AI, but I'm a big fan of AI, but um, I agree, it can't necessarily create that human content. I mean, think about, so I can literally go and create a human podcast guest, and I've done that before, and they will say what what I tell them to say, right? Synthesia is 
platform that you can use and you can pick. I think I picked an Asian woman, but you can pick whatever you want and they create that person. But at the end of the day, it's not a human, right? And they only mm -hmm. say what I tell them to say. And I love AI for like headlines, testing my headlines. In fact, the headline you're seeing with this post was AI written. But at the end of the day, AI can't do what you and I are doing right now, right? They Not can't yet. make it personal. They can't tell that human story. So we don't have to worry about that too much, Just at least. Just yet. <laughs> yeah, we're safe for a little while. So AI or not, I know people struggle with telling good stories. Why is that? Especially founders of companies, <sighs> they're so busy doing one thing or another. Why is it so difficult and, and what can they do about it? I blame education. <laughs> oh. uh, what happens is, I mean, and anybody with young kids out there can see this happening in action. We are taught to interact with the world through the stories we hear, through the little books we read, then through the bigger books. I, My girls are almost 10 and almost 7, and they are avid readers, but they've been reading and listening to stories since they were, before they could speak. So that's the way the neural pathways in our brain get formed. And then we go to school and usually in traditional schooling and then even through high school, college, we're told terminology, jargon, insert all these words. I remember in, in my um, bachelor's degree, one of my first papers, I got back without a grade. And there were like 10 of us that were called in to speak to the professor. And she, the TA basically told us, yeah, you didn't put in enough terminology. So I went back, peppered it with all kinds of words she had said during the lectures, and I ended up getting like a 97. And I'm like, oh, so that's how this works. So we get completely thrown off the natural language path. And I know that NLP means something now, else now, but, but the way we're meant to communicate, the way our brains just yell to communicate with each other is so far from what business people do. We think, oh, we got to put in technology. We got to put in terminology. We've got to be very smart looking. And all we do is end up boring our audiences and disconnecting them. You know, what's interesting about that too is that first of all, um, the amount of effort and time we put into things, into, into storytelling, doesn't equal the performance, right? So you and I, could do a 26-minute podcast, and this is all the time it took us to do this. And then, of course, the 10 minutes ahead of time when we decided that my technology wasn't working. And so so under an hour, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. But this podcast, let's say the podcast takes off and has tens of thousands of listens and, and, and views, right? You know what I'm saying? But the 45 minutes had nothing to do with the performance. And I think sometimes, I'm especially, in, especially in school, I remember people saying, Take your time. Read read the paper again. Write take write slower. That's not a thing, my friends. To write slower, um, think about it. Right. So it's like so. I think the education thing. Um, I think that's true. I think that's a problem. But how do we move forward from that? So we're in school for whatever, right? Twelve years, and then college for four more or more if we get a master's. How do we? learn how to tell better stories after it was just maybe beaten out of us. Right. Well, we, well, I mean, that's, that's exactly why I wrote the book because I'm sending people back to the basics, back to our primal cave brain that 36,000 years ago started drawing pictures to tell a story of what was going on in our lives. And a volcano exploded and a herd of Buffalo came and tried to attack us. And when I say stories stick, they stick a long time. 
Um, and that's survival. I mean, we just came off of the spring holidays. Pretty much every religion or culture had a holiday. And I'm sure there were many family gatherings. And at the family gatherings, what do we do? We storytell either stories from the past or what happened to us over the past year. And our brains are going to take that and, and kind of then make it our own and, and remember it. And those are the memories we're going to sit around telling about grandma or about Aunt Pauline or whatever. Not the facts and the figures and the, you know, it's, it's, those are the stories. Those are the moments that continue to live inside us. And that's what I want people to do during their business presentations. It's not just telling a joke. It's not making people laugh. It's not breaking the ice. It's truly making inroads in their brain and having you be stuck in one of those inroads. You're, it's like, you know, the, the, the jingles from the commercials that used to happen that get stuck in your brain. And for years, I've still had these, you know, double mint gum. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, that's what you want. You want to stick in a positive way. You know, and, and when you tell a good story, it sticks with us. And I remember back in my day, um, I was just, while you were talking, I was thinking, what's a story that's not recent, that's still stuck in my head? And this is like 16 years ago, maybe longer. And I did an investigation on what happens if you fight your traffic ticket here in Iowa. And I found if you basically, if you fight it, your chances are 50-50 to get it dismissed or get a lower penalty. And this story that still sticks out with me is the woman, she went to the judge and she says, there's no way I could have been speeding. Judge, I drive by this church every day where I was pulled over and I always say a little prayer. Had I been speeding, I would have I would have not been able to finish my prayer, and I did. And it's just so visual. And get it, believe this or not, I actually drove by that same church on Sunday when there was a softball game uh, for one of my daughters, <laughs> and I still remember that story. So it's like amazing. Those are the stories no. we want to go after, right? And as you're telling that story, my brain is going to all the stories that stick of how I got a ticket canceled. I was stopped three days before I gave birth to my second child. I was like, you know, and, and I, you know, there's all these stories that come up. And then what happens is we're creating connections between us, Christoph. We are empathizing. Our brains are syncing up. We're forging a relationship. We're forging trust. And that's what you want to have with a potential client, a potential investor, a potential partner. They want to do business with people that they feel a connection with. Not with someone who's speaking of them and throwing numbers and tech and oh wow you so so it's it's just magic nothing short alchemy it's alchemy and it's magic and that's what storytelling can do it's so powerful. Well, nobody wants to look at a PowerPoint, anyways. I actually had somebody who was I was talking to. They said, "Can you send us some PowerPoints you used in a similar project?" And I'm like. This is based on how my PowerPoints look. <laughs> this, like, I have client like like potential clients say, can you send me some examples of, of you know, work that you've done with other companies? Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, it leaves without the design because I do the story, not the design. And second, would you want me sharing your intimate details of your company with someone else? But I understand the need for that. And by the way, I have to say PowerPoint and Google Slides are on their way for big improvements, thanks to BARD and, and OpenAI and, oh, yeah. and all of those tools that are now embedded in the minutes about time. Because how it looks does tell a big story as well. We have very visual brains. And it's very important. I understand like why they want the PowerPoints. They need to kind of see it and glom onto it. But if you don't have a visual, there's another way to tell the story too. 
maybe even Dolly, Evan Kirstel, when he was on the show, he talked about that. So we can just say, hey, I need an image that looks like this or whatever. And then Dolly, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, yeah, creates Dolly. that for mm -hmm. you. Yeah, also and, an open AI uh, um, product. <laughs> there. Yeah. Really? Absolutely. Now, let's talk about how do we tell stories, though, and what's the importance of that it has something to do with the business. So, for example, I just told you a story. And, you know, if I'm a news reporter, that story might be interesting to me, right? Like, oh, we should do something like that. How do you find those stories? But from a business perspective, that story was interesting, I guess. And you and I laughed about it. And it, you know, it, it got some emotion out of you, right? Because you got pulled over before you were uh, given birth. But it doesn't have anything to do with what I do professionally. It doesn't, maybe it has, not, has nothing to do with anything, right? Yeah. Professionally, just a story that's interesting. Yeah. How important is it to tie it to what it is you're doing and that people care about? So important. We're not just making small talk. We're being extremely strategic with our storytelling, okay? Again, that's why I'm saying it's not just telling a joke. It's not just breaking the ice. It's not just telling anecdotes. That's what people often think with storytelling. It's not that. You need to find the right story, the right metaphor, the right image or something that ties into the business because you don't want them to just remember you. You want them to remember you in the context of your business goals because that's right. going to be what leads them to action. So there's two main parts of the storytelling that I talk about in the book. One is the structure which is the four-act play. I'm a theater baby, and um, I, I've lived and breathed theater ever since I was about four or five. Uh, and it made a lot of sense to me to divide it into the four acts, which is basically how ancient Greeks and Shakespeare and Moliere and Chekhov and all the greats wrote their plays because that aligns with that chunking in our brain and our neural paths of telling a story. So that's the one hand. It's structuring it in the right way. There's a very intentional structure to it. The second piece is, okay, now we have the structure in place. We have the, the problem, solution, business, and aftermath, or the villain, hero, hero's action plan, and then what happens next. Um, or, and also, sorry, not or, and it's telling the right stories, metaphors, moments that show that you understand your audience that you are solving this pain for them in a meaningful way. You're taking us on a journey of how their lives are so much better now that they're using your product. And again, that may sound evangelical and whatever, but it's you're telling it through them. That is so much more meaningful. So the um, creating a villain in a story is always interesting because I actually, I was just thinking about that. I did a I'm working on an article on content strategy consulting. So people are very interested in that topic. And the villain <laughs> in my story, basically, well, there's several villains, but let's just stick with one. One of the villains is basically the, the marketing head's boss, <laughs> right? Because they don't get it. They don't understand what's the value of the content. Why do we only care about, why do we care about Top of the funnel of the content, middle of the funnel, bottom. They only care about the bottom of the funnel, right? Because we can measure that. That's leading to sales today. But of course, you have to push people through the funnel or there's different funnels, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So the villain in my content is the boss. But we have to be careful with that. Try not to be the villain, the person in the room. Um, more what the villain is a concept happening in the world right now. 
I think a lot of people are seeing AI as a villain okay. because they're scared. Yeah. They're scared of the unknown, which is completely natural. So I'll see different responses out there. I just wrote an article about, you know, I called it Brace and Embrace, how to unleash the power of AI in your storytelling. And I've gotten two sets of responses. One, oh my gosh, this is great. You just saved me so much time. Thank you so much. And others like, um, what? You're going to let AI do the work for you? And and a, a friend of mine who's also a big branding storyteller, he's on the absolute other end of the fence of like how AI is going to turn our brains to mush and make our kids, you know, not do the work. And I get him and I understand it. But I also know that we need to lean in to the uncertainty as uncomfortable as it is. We can't ignore it. Now I'm in Silicon Valley. So for me, like every new tech thing that comes out, we're living it and I need to live it because I work with those companies. Mm -hmm. But we also need to mm -hmm. understand and prepare ourselves for what lies ahead, hope for the best, expect the worst and, and play with that tension. You know, it's interesting. So first of all, I don't, just a friendly reminder, if you use any tool like Grammarly, you're already using AI, yeah. the end. And, you know, sometimes Grammarly suggestions are total garbage. And sometimes they're really good. Like it doesn't, you know, sometimes it says stuff. I'm like, that's not what I intended to say at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or auto, auto fill in your, yes. not, not out of like when you're autocomplete. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. In your Gmail for the past couple of years, you've had like, oh. they get to know you. They've been, <clears throat> now we're just about to up that game a bit. Yeah. Google well, just actually, had one their my, launch yesterday. One of my... One of my tweets yesterday was when automated messages talk to each other because I had an experience like that because I was I kept getting an automated message. And then basically my response was literally just what Google was telling me to say. So uh, there certainly is a place for AI. But let's talk about that villain thing just for another minute. So certainly you want to be careful and you don't necessarily want to point fingers. And if and most of what I do, I don't have I don't do presentations right I've been sitting in this chair for the last five years basically but um but I still want to create that villain in my content right so it's like you know if you have this problem with the leadership and they don't understand this here's how you sell it to them how do you not cross that line too far to make them look bad but really trying to hone into your audience okay so i'll say it again Vil the villain is not someone in your company it's not an employee yep. it's not someone in your client's company the villain is not a person the villain is a concept the villain is the pain the gap the opportunity that's being missed okay so let's make that clear the villain is an abstraction so it can be um uh security vulnerabilities which you know in the cyber world it are, are rampant and always have been and always will be. And the tools have to shift in order to meet the growing needs. Another one could be the villain is um, lack of sustainability. Now more and more companies are expected to prove their ESG and corporate responsibility strategies. It's not no longer a nice to have, it's a must have and boards are demanding it. So how do you meet that? It's an information security. That's a villain. Uh, it wasn't a villain. Like I remember back when GDPR was about to roll out um, a few years ago, nobody knew what the heck it was. I was working with clients that had a GDPR solution for financial institutions to help them get ready. No investors were biting because they're like, GDP what? 
And then all of a sudden out it came and companies like Meta back then just Facebook and, and Google were, were getting fined billions of dollars and being blocked in Europe. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, GDPR. Yeah, we need to take care of that. And not long after that, they were acquired. So you need to show the urgency of that pain, of that concept, of that gap, <clears throat> of why it's looming now, especially in the climate now where investments are not at an all-time high. The companies mm -hmm. that are getting invested in are those that can show true value, true urgency, and a great, we'll call it founder market fit. Interesting. And thank you for uh, repeating that. I am seeing that people are clicking over on the book on Amazon. If you're not, it's in the carousel. Of course, we have it over here in the sidebar too. If you are listening on the podcast channels, search for Christoph Trapp on Amazon and you'll see it there um, in my Amazon store. Yay, but nice to see yay. that uh, we're heating up. There's literally um, a bonfire next well, to I've, you know, And I've like, intentionally kept the price low. Um, I mean, the MSRP is like more than double this. But for me right now, I'm on a mission to help startups in this crazy time tell better stories. Mm -hmm. And this is like my cookbook, my prized family recipes that I'm putting out to the world intentionally. Because if you can do it yourself and not use me now, that will make me very happy. If you're still struggling and you need to step up, then you'll come and work with me and I'll cook you the meal in live. But I want as many people as possible to understand the power of this storytelling and how they can implement it in their lives. And every day I'll get like messages or emails. Thank you for writing this book. And I'm like, you made my day. That's fantastic. I like the cookbook analogy. Now, in the, in the next three minutes here or so, let's talk about um, you have the example in there. You know, I'm this podcast is the Uber for <laughs> business storytelling. And I've heard that so many times. You always have to say something like that. But now you totally disagree with that kind of storytelling. I don't totally disagree with it, but I say okay. don't lean on it. You can't lead in with the we're like an Uber for X. There's a site that I mentioned called uh, it's this for that.com where you basically, yeah. you know, it generates, you know, we're the dollar shave club for sergeant generals of the Air Force. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So sometimes it does help people understand, but I would use that as an ancillary thing. Like, you know, so you've explained what you do. Again, you need simple language. You need people to get it. But then you could say, think of us as the Pinterest for animal lovers. Ah, okay, get it. Pinterest has pictures. People are saving it. <clears throat> Good. Don't let it be the lead-in thing because you're not the Uber for this. <laughs> you know what the other, while well, I was listening to you there, the other problem with that, um, with using that strategy is it, what if I have had a bad experience exactly. with Uber? What if I don't like that brand? Exactly. And you just said, we're like Uber. And I'm like, goodbye. Ooh, Uber. <laughs> yeah. Or what if um, they see them then as a competitor? Oh, so what you're saying is you're competing with Uber. Oh, so how are you going to take users away from Uber? No, that's what I was saying. Yeah. But that's what you said. No, it's not. What I was, so it's, it's confusing. Because people can lapse their listening for two seconds and completely miss that. <clears throat> I had somebody write me after I, I sent out this, uh, you know, using AI. He's like, oh, wait. So in our session, you're going to be using AI tools. It's AI that's going to be writing it. And I'm like, mm, that's not what I was saying in there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have my own. I'm Donna GPT. But, but I mean, I'll use chat GPT to research, to organize things. But I'm still doing the work. So. I think it depends on what it is too. I'll give you an example. And I was just doing this mostly 
um, at that time for because I, I wanted to see how it works. And so some ma hiring manager on LinkedIn said, I can tell who's sending me cover letters written by uh, chat GPT and which are written by humans. And I'm like, I would I, I need to test this. And I went to chat GPT and I just says, hey, write a cover letter for a head of content marketing based on this LinkedIn profile. And it was not horrible at all. In fact, it was probably really close to what I would have written anyways, because it's a standard cover letter, right? So I think it depends. Well, um, also, I think people are going to start getting all these hyper-personalized emails and realizing, uh-oh, that's not. So we're going to have to reinvent, yeah. you know, emails and cover letters and how we interact and how we build trust. So again, it's, it's going back to the basic human trust yeah, and the basic absolutely. human connection. Donna. Really great to have you on the show. In the last 40 seconds here, tell us um, if people want you to cook the meal, how do they find you? How do they hire you? What kind of projects do you take on? Make a reservation to speak at DonnaGriffith.com. You can see the little ticker going by. Um, and anyone mentioning Christoph's show gets a special discount. So please do mention you're a listener. Um, so you can just click on the Let's Talk there. The book is here on Amazon. And uh, if you have any questions, responses, please feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to, I answer my own emails still. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I always learn a lot from guests like you. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Yes. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.